What does it mean to be an artist? I think it means presenting images, ideas, and opinions that you believe in even if they have yet to become beliefs for other people. That's a good way to frame number two of our emergency podcasts about the emerging political crisis in Hong Kong. We spoke with Ba Diolzhao, the Chinese dissident artist who some refer to as China's Banksy, about the political situation in Hong Kong and his artistic acts of solidarity in trying to help bring attention to the situation there. For those of you who don't know, there have been large-scale protests. Um, Somewhere in the number of one million people came out this Sunday with large-scale protests since of Hong Kong citizens coming out to protest their government's attempt to jam through a law that would allow Hong Kong citizens to be extradited to China for trial. It would be the equivalent of U.S. citizens um, being extradited to China. It's essentially taking those who rely on and believe in principles of democracy, fair trials, and other principles that we'd associate with human rights um, into a judicial situation where none of those would apply and that their crimes would be judged based on the harm they could cause politically, not on the guilt or innocence of their personal situation. So Badi Otsal has long had to deal um, with these questions of crime and punishment. He has been a dissident for the most uh, the most of his adult life. He has um, been radicalized in a way few Chinese citizens have by accidentally witnessing at a young age footage of the Tiananmen Square massacres. And ever since seeing this footage and learning some of the complications of the Communist Party's rise to power, he has since become an activist um, for political freedom, democracy, and for justice broadly. In our conversation, we talk about Hong Kong, his own criticisms of China, as well as his own criticisms of democracies who treat their citizens with racist violence, classist violence, and in general, the idea that justice is a universal concept and it does not matter which country or nation claims to wield it if they do not apply it equally to their citizens. If you like what we're doing, please share the podcast and support us. And of course, consider us on your next travels in Asia. We're happy to introduce you to some of the finest artists and minds in the country. Now I'm proud to bring you our chat with Badi Oldsal, aka Buddy, one of the most prolific and brilliant dissident artists of China.
So I think it's important for American audiences who don't know you. Um, can you tell us a bit about what led you to Melbourne and um, what led to you being a political activist? Um, well, it's a big question because, uh, well, nobody really can foresee like what you want to do in the future. Um, there's so many reasons that actually kind of lead me to this past now. Um, however, I think... Two of very important things. One is my family background. Um, my great parents, they are like the first generation of Chinese filmmakers um, who are really uh, active during the 30s and to the 50s when the Communist China launched a anti-intellectual movement. So all the artists, um, intellectuals, academics, are getting into trouble because their cultural research or artwork. And my great parents, um, my grandpa and his brother, was kind of persecuted and um, actually died because of this horrific um, political campaign. So this family history sent me two messages. One is I have the blood of artists running in my vein that I want to be an artist and I know I have the potential and talent um, to fulfill. Two is being an artist is dangerous in China. No matter what kind of art you do, as long as it's about um, human condition, as long as it's about telling the truth of the society, then you instantly put yourself in a very um, dangerous and risky situation. Well, this does not just reflect in the history from my great parents' generation. It continues to the moment now when we see artists like Ai Weiwei got beaten by the police and, and disappeared for 81 days. Um, when people actually will also can reflect with my own experience that I have experienced harassment um, from Beijing directly, regardless where I am. Um, so, you know, with this very important thing that makes me want to be an artist, but I know it's just difficult to be one in China, so I'll we'll have to leave. Well, this is the family uh, reason that why I do this, why I uh, uh, went to Australia eventually and, and start being an artist over there. The other thing is probably also very important. You know, family history is only a reminder for me that there was something wrong of China in the past. However, because the propaganda system is so sophisticated, because the information, the censorship um, is so um, powerful in China. So when I grow up, when I entering age like you know, teenage age or early 20s that I really don't have a clear idea of what China is really about at the moment um, because there's no real news that can actually tell you what's, what's the fact behind those lines. Until accidentally I watched a Tiananmen Massacre documentary during my um, university time. And when I watched it, the Tiananmen Massacre is only like 15, 14 years ago. However, I've never heard about it. 
not once in school or in family or in any other occasion. So this kind of shocked me because all I know is in, in the past, China is horrible. The Communist Party is horrible. However, I'm even shocked, more shocked now because I see just 10, 15 years ago, this kind of horrifying crime against ordinary people are happening just as what happened to my great parents generation so clearly this is not no longer a country that will provide people freedom and safety to express our to express our rights so i have to come to this conclusion that i if I want to be an artist like my great parents, if I want to live in a safe and free environment, I'll just have to leave. I mean, no one really want to leave their hometown if if there's really no other choices. And for fulfill my dream to be an artist, I just have to do that. In terms of what's going on in Hong Kong, um, I always wonder how people feel. It's the Chinese community is huge the cultures are very different. Why are you so um, active right now in trying to help people understand what's going on in Hong Kong? Why is Hong Kong so important to you at this moment? Um, I guess it comes with different layers. Firstly, um, I think for me, Hong Kong as a city is really personal. Um, I feel like I attach to this city like when I grow up, there's not much things um, for entertaining in China. And the movies and TV dramas from Hong Kong are the first groups of entertaining um, elements or content being introduced in China. Um, so for me, Hong Kong is always like a beacon of, you know, happiness, wills, and, and interesting things. Um, well, all, all the things, stories in the movies attracts me uh, greatly. Um, it's also probably the first window for my parents' generation to see the outside world as well. Um, and also, you know, I, I'm born in Shanghai. Shanghai historically have a very close connection with Hong Kong because during the wartime, decades ago, there are a lot of refugees actually left Shanghai um, to Hong Kong. And there's extraordinary writers like Zhang Ailing, who write a lot of interesting stories, both about Hong Kong um, and Shanghai. So I feel like personally, when I grow up, I really uh, look up to the life in, Shang uh, in, in Hong Kong and um, and when I finally left China, I see more layers of Hong Kong, not just, you know, great entertaining industry, great city scene, richness, but also the spirit of the citizens in Hong Kong that are really brave to take on um, the dictatorship from Beijing that we see from those young students to against the propaganda education, even before the umbrella movement. We see young people are, you know, be on the streets and advocating for their rights from the Umbrella movement till now to the movement to anti the extradition law in Hong Kong. So all of this is a huge inspiration to me personally. 
Um, I guess what's more important is I also have to go back to my cancelled um, art exhibition in Hong Kong last year. So it's totally out of expectation when I actually know that I can have a show in Hong Kong. By the time I'm struggling to find actually a venue to exhibit my works, um, not just in China, but also like in my country, Australia now. So um, I posted a Twitter um, to ask help from the world. What I said is, I'm a young political artist. It seems very hard to find a venue um, to exhibit work like mine. So if anyone can help me, I'd love to go. That's how everything happened. So my friends in Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong Free Press helped me to find a venue and invite me to actually have my first solo international show there. That's how all the story began. Um, and probably, as you all know, or may, you may know, don't know that um, I have worked, I have, I have, I've become like anonymous artist since the beginning of my working. So hiding my identity is always, always a priority for me in order to protect myself and continue working. However, just three days before my Hong Kong exhibition opened, I find out my identity was compromised. That is because the police in China went to my home um, in Shanghai and sending me threatening message via my family to say I have to cancel the Hong Kong show. Otherwise, there will be no kind, there will be no mercy to me. Um, well, personally, it's, it's a huge change. It probably changed the course of my life or my art career that I have to face this situation to cooperate with the Chinese authority and silence myself and censorship myself or keep going. By the time, police also said they are going to send two policemen to Hong Kong, which posing absolute danger to everyone who helped me in Hong Kong to organizing the show. So unfortunately and sadly eventually a group decision was made that we just have to cancel it in order to keep everybody safe including me including everyone down in hong kong so you know this is really personal to me it attached to my life it attached to my art experience and now i just feel i'm so obligated to advocate for those brave hong kong young people who are fighting on the streets they are risking their lives. They are experiencing beaten brutality from policemen, shotting, they're shot by the policemen, um, you know, tear gas, smoke gas, you name it. And it's not really much thing that I can do apart from keep drawing and keep using my art to defend them, to introduce their story to the world. So the world will react on this issue and help those young people in Hong Kong to defend their city, to defend their way of life, which is democracy and freedom, which is also something the majority of Western country are enjoying and trying to defend. And it's not isolated. You can't just isolate a city from your privileged life. You have to step out, even though you are millions or thousands miles away from that city. Because we are all together living in the same planet and China is being aggressive and more aggressive 
this behavior have to be stopped and have to be stopped by everyone's support. So for the protests right now in um, Hong Kong, I've seen some artwork uh, right now on the internet. What's most popular is your Hong Kong picnic. Um, can you explain a couple of the images that we've seen um, that you have drawn recently? One is Hong Kong picnic. The other is of Carrie Lam. Could you explain those two images for people unfamiliar? Um, sure. So what happened in Hong Kong is after the initial million um, demonstration, um, the Hong Kong government didn't really listen to people and they still want to considering passing that um, very evil and harmful um, extradition law bill. So the Hong Kong people were organizing another demonstration, which is what we saw um, yesterday. Well, the way they're doing is they're going to do a picnic um, in front of the uh, legislation committee because there is a huge grass lawn in front of that building. So Hong Kong people are so clever, you know, they, they come out with this idea, let's go to the government to have a picnic um, as a way to encourage people to do that. I think it's a very smart and even poetic and even romantic idea to, to showing, um, you know, the brightness of Hong Kong people. And um, that is why I, I address this um, idea and create a cartoon to showing um, a girl sitting on a picnic blanket in front of um, layers and layers of policemen who are fully geared. Um, it's also inspired by actually by a, a real photo shot that night before the picnic. There was a young Hong Kong girl who's trying to do an individual demonstration to the Hong Kong police by actually sitting just very close to them. Um, so that's that work. Well, the Carrie Long work is called the Crocodile Tears. So what happened is this. So after yesterday's demonstration, so many people get hurt. So many people got beaten. People are bleeding. However, Carrie Long, the leader of Hong Kong, was on TV crying to say he sacrificed a lot for herself. Um, yet in the meantime, she's calling this peaceful demonstration a riot. This is totally hypocritical. Um, her tears, no more than crocodile tears, it's just fake. Um, that is why um, this morning I draw a cartoon which is associating with that interview last night of her on TV as well. And for Western listeners who are unfamiliar, um, two other examples of your artwork. Um, I really like your artwork, buddy, because you try to bring in other activists. You're not someone who is just out there for fame. You're, it's very clear you're trying to build a larger coalition of activists and artists. You drew a, a very famous image of Liu Xiaobo and his wife, and I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about that story. What did that mean to you as someone who has, what did Liu mean to you as someone who wants to see uh, political reforms in China? I think Liu Xiaobo is definitely 
a, a flag figure um, for people to starting to realize what the reality of Chinese dissidents' life looks like and how people are struggling to, um, you know, make their point out and what kind of price they will have to pay. Um, so Liu Xiaobo was um, active since 1989, um, Tiananmen Student Movement, and he continues his work and starting to advocate for nonviolence um, idea um, to change China. Um, but the price he pay is significant. He was sentenced to the prison um, shortly before he won the Nobel Peace Prize. And he actually, it took his life because I believe he was mistreated in the prison. And uh, we all know about two years ago, well, the news coming out to say he is like terminate stage for the liver cancer. Short after he died. Well, but the Chinese government not even let go of a dead people's legacy. All the Chinese government trying to do is erase people's memory and idea of who Liu Xiaobo is, including his widow Liu Xia. Um, but well, people in China still have the conscience and the memory to memorize it. That is why one of the last photo Liu Xiaobo ever take with Liu Xia went really virus inside of China as well as outside of China. However, you know how the censorship works in China. Not after a long time, the photo was censored immediately. And my raw action is I want to recreate this image just so we have a new reference that can coming back to this external couple, more people, to memorize them, to, to pay tribute to them. So what I do is really simple, that I draw a pure line work and color block that symbolize that, that photo, but highly abstracted. Um, so you won't see the face of those two people, you won't see much of detail apart from just the shape, the body gesture, and the color. However, surprisingly, this work went into the gray firewall so successfully it become a new icon and symbol for this couple. A lot of people starting to repost this image instead of the photo, which had been censored efficiently by the time. And I'm really proud of this work because I feel it's so powerful if you can find the right image and the right way to represent it. There is a possibility for artists to defeat the censorship by recreating images like that. Um, that's really inspiring to me. Also, I really touched when a lot of people also celebrate this image as icon for them, that people are downloading those images and paste as straight art around the world, that people are making those images into postcards, sending to friends, that people are making those images um, into T-shirts and wear them inside and outside of China. And yes, I'm really proud of myself to create that. Uh, another image um, that I'm really interested in is you drew um, uh, a picture of the Feminist Five, who when I spoke to Lita Hong Fincher, who does a lot of work with them. 
Um, but I still think a lot of Westerners don't know a lot about the struggles uh, of Chinese women under Xi Jinping's government. Can you talk a bit about this image and your relationship to the Feminist Five? I think the feminists in China really did extraordinary work within the circumstance in China. Because, you know, any social campaign or organization are tightly controlled by the Chinese government. There's no real freedom that they have. But even within this so tiny, limited space, those females did extraordinary works to support um, their rights, the women's rights. Um, well, but unfortunately, like any other activist in China, the Iron Fist will always fall on for the people who dare to make a difference in the society. And that's why those five females are harassed and actually arrested just for nonviolent campaign to supporting women in China. I think there is still significant problem in China and inequality in gender in China, um, which are something that hasn't been fully um, introduced, introduced to the Western society. Um, and that makes their work particularly important. Yeah, I mean, as well as like LGBT rights in China, or there are people trying to find space to do that. It's not deliberately political challenge. It looks like it's more mild, but even in that way, regularly they got cracking down by the government. America is a very complicated country in that we're often very violent against our own citizens. Um, especially if they're poor or if they're not white. So a lot of times in our country, um, we had a protest called Black Lives Matter, where many black people were killed or beaten or... And I, I just wanted to ask you that um, as uh, someone who's seen um, repression uh, in China, when we see similar um, actions in America, police brutality, um, surveillance from companies, uh, surveillance from our government, or companies that cooperate with China, like Google or Twitter, what does that tell us? What, what would be your warning, or what would you want to tell Americans about that? Uh, can, can what's happened in China happen anywhere? is my question. Um, definitely. And um, well, all the issues that you've mentioned about the brutality of the policemen against the black people in America, about how the American government is abuses power to surveillance people and even still persecuting people like um, Charles Manning and uh, Julia Assange. Those are crimes, okay? I don't, I'm not like the traditional dissident who blindly support American as long as American against China. Um, I strongly um, disagree with Trump's policy, especially for the ones that are against the human rights, against rights from the refugees and the immigrants. Um, I think this is a very dangerous sign. And um, 
it's it's so sad to see America was uh, stepping into um, a muddy pond like that with that president. Um, and it's definitely um, warning to everyone that when we see American company like Google or Twitter and Facebook, all those internet company which are supposed to supporting um, to help people to protect their privacy and help to defend freedom of speech um, are failing their purpose and principle. This is very concerning. And this is not the way that Western society can maintain its wealth and civilization. This is very problematic. Um, what I want to say is all those companies, politicians, might doing that for a very short period of profits. However, be smart, look a bit far away. China is growing, the Chinese government are expanding its mode propaganda. Yes, it's cool to earn some bucks from China for maybe 10, 20 years. But after that, what is the result? What is the consequence that the world will facing? Is China's mode really better than democracy and freedom? I'm afraid they just haven't tasted the horror from the Chinese government. When you are cannot count on uh, companies or governments to act in your best interest, it's something to be very concerned about. Facebook right now, I have a good journalist friend who's reporting in Hong Kong. Facebook is censoring him. Um, Twitter has been known to, uh, your own work, as you know on Twitter, has been censored. Um, so I think it's very important for Americans to know that this is something they need to start fighting back against now. Because these companies, as long as they can get away with this behavior, they will. Um, governments, uh, I believe, only respond to pressure. Same with companies. They're only going to respond to uh, pressure. Um, something I wanted to ask you very briefly, I live in Taiwan. We have two candidates for the 2020 election who really scare me. Um, Ko Wenju and Han Guoyu, who are both talking about that we can work with China, we can uh, develop one party or um, one country, two systems with China. What is your view or what would you say to people who would support Han Guoyu or Ko Wenju about working with China or Taiwan becoming closer with China? Um, just mirroring Hong Kong. I see how the two, the one country, two system works. Well, as long as they're still supporting politicians like that, what waiting them in the future is the tear gas, is the gunshot, is everything that people have suffered from the Hong Kong police at the moment. So stop being stupid. Sure. And don't put money over freedom. <laughs> of course. Because you can sell your freedom, but you can hardly buy back. You have to use sweat or even blood to win your freedom back. So really cherish the freedom that you have. Don't trade it for any short-term um, profit. 
The last question I had was about the image of the uh, tank man. As we talked about, um, you've had to deal with censorship on Twitter. Can you tell us a bit about your work with the tank man? What you have um, tried to do with other artists and activists in using this image, and why it's been so, um, why it's still such a powerful image? Why did Twitter need to censor you? I think it's really a tragedy and pathetic for image like that still have its strong um, resistance in the world. It means the world hasn't moved forward. It means China hasn't been changed. For that particular photo or footage, I think it's really powerful because it can present the whole situation um, back to 30 years ago in Beijing. What we see from the image is a ordinary guy with just a white shirt and black pants trying to stop um, a group of tank um, on the street in Beijing. From that image, you see how Chinese, ordinary Chinese, are brave but also desperate to stop the violence from the government. And on the other hand, you also see the brutality, the horrible power of a nation that was sending tanks on streets to cracking down peaceful demonstration of students' movement asking for freedom and democracy. It's all in that picture. And that is why the Chinese government is so afraid of it. They try to erase it as much as they can. As an artist, I think my job, to some extent, is to keep the life of that image by creating new forms, representing it, just like the way that I do to representing the photo of Liu Xiaobo and Liu Xia. I've actively addressing that image with my cartoons every year, and I also extend it to different forms, including performance art. In 2008, I did a global campaign to encourage the people to join me to cosplay the tank man wherever they are by wearing a white shirt and black pants with two shopping bags in their hands. And again, it's a global hit. I have so many support around the world, the Chinese community, the local, the local community in the Western world, um, and other countries as well. So I think it's just it's not just for me, but also for a lot of people. The Tangma image is, is like the iconic image for the entire movement. Um, well, unfortunately, and I'm very disappointed with Twitter company recently, because, you know, this year is the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Massacre. So about a month ago, I proposed to the Twitter company to say, look, this is a very important anniversary. And if your company's principle is defending freedom of speech and care about human, then you should create a special hashtag with a special hash flag emoji. So hash flag is like little um, pictures that usually comes um, with special designs um, hashtag. Uh, for example, uh, when the game is wrong is airing, if you put hashtag games wrong, it would be little image of the of the iron throne that that little chair um following with that hashtag so i proposed this to the twitter company with providing 
um, three designs for their image. And the hashtag was designed as hashtag Tiananmen 30 because that's the 30th anniversary. After a super long waiting, maybe just a week before the anniversary, Twitter company finally replied to me and they say, um, we've acknowledged your proposal. However, we have to refuse it. And the reason is emoji or hash flag are limited resource for Twitter. Simply, they cannot put it on just like a month before the request. However, I don't really think it's a very uh, persuading answer um, because how hard would it be to just upload an image which is 72 by 72 pixel? And I replied to them, look, I have done the design for you, so it saves your time. I'm happy to pay if you will have to charge for this service. And um, if it's really true that you can't do that within a month, I could give you a new entire year. Let's put a tenement 31 for next year, for next year's anniversary. However, they still haven't replied me after that. And I just feel so disappointed that a company like that, an internet company like that, um, would turn a blind eye on requests like that. I think the explanation is rather simple. Um, I mean, you know, Twitter is banned in China. There's no real user can log on to it, expect using VPN or other um, technology to go around the Great Fire, which is the censorship system. However, Twitter company is receiving big money from the Chinese propaganda system, including CGTN, China Daily, or even companies like Huawei to promote on Twitter by giving Twitter company huge profits. And it is my belief that Twitter company refused my proposal and also kind of censored, suspended a lot of dissidents' accounts during the anniversary because of worrying about losing the profit from China. For me, this is not acceptable. And that is why I started a new campaign to inviting people to actually draw a little tank man with the hashtag and post it on Twitter and ask Twitter company to reconsider my proposal to accept it for the next year's anniversary, which is the 31th anniversary for the Tiananmen Massacre. And I also hope to um, shouting to your audience, if they've listened to it, if they've understand um, the story behind, please join me, join this campaign and um, push company like Twitter to be responsible. I think uh, that's a great place to um, stop. We uh, are trying uh, for our company to fill the gap in um, helping people directly understand what's going on uh, in Asia and to join in campaigns like yours. Um, thank you so much for talking with me today. And if you could send us some of the artwork that we discussed, we can then share that on social media. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye.